You're listening to Reimagined Radio. Real talk, real life, real magic. Welcome to Success Unlimited with Dr. Patricia Thompson. If you want to be more successful while also being happier at work and at home, you're in the right place. We'll be covering research along with little tweaks, tips, and hacks that will help you to fulfill your potential in the business world without sacrificing your peace of mind. When I say the words, a good night's sleep, what comes to mind? Do you see it as something that you get all the time and so it's super familiar to you? Or does a good night's sleep sometimes seem like a distant fantasy? Do you see sleep as something necessary that you guard with reverence? Or do you see sleep as something that might be nice to have, but something that's the first to go when you're busy? Are you like the rock musician Warren Zivin, who was quoted as saying, I'll sleep when I'm dead? So if you see sleep as more of a luxury than a necessity, then I'd like for you to listen to this episode, because in this show, I'm going to be covering some of the research about why when you scrimp on sleep, you actually make yourself less effective at work, not more. Then I'll finish by giving you a bunch of tips that can be helpful if you have difficulty sleeping. So how did you sleep last night? Did you wake up this morning feeling bright-eyed and bushy-tailed knowing that you got a restful night's sleep? Did you get the recommended seven to nine hours? Or are you like the 40% of Americans who don't get the recommended amount of sleep? So in my work with professionals, I actually find that quite a few of them have sleep issues for one of two main reasons. First, a lot of them cut back on sleep so that they can stay up late getting more done. Sometimes it's because they're workaholics, but other times it's because they have so much to do and they spend all day in meetings. And so the only time that they can actually get anything done is in the evening, often after the kids have gone to bed. The second reason a lot of people have sleep issues is that they have difficulty falling asleep because they just can't quiet their minds. Um, A good example of this is a senior executive that I worked with, and I'll call him Justin. And so when I worked with Justin, his company was going through a lot of transition, and so he was stressed out. And he was someone who was responsible for making a lot of it happen, and so he had a lot on his plate. Now, part of what made Justin so good at his job is that he's someone who's very analytical. So he can consider multiple sides of an issue, and he can think really critically before deciding what to do. But the problem was he had difficulty turning it off when he was trying to go to sleep. Instead, once the lights were out, he would find himself coming up with ideas or he'd be remembering something he forgot to do or he'd be worrying about what would happen if he made the wrong choice. And as you might imagine, his sleep issues made it harder to do his job. Um, Obviously, you know, you might expect that he felt fatigued, but he also had a lot of the classic symptoms that research has shown go along with inadequate sleep. So these are things like poor concentration um, and hampered productivity. Um, You know, it's also been shown to increase your stress hormone, and that can lead to all the ill effects associated with chronic stress. So feeling stressed, but also things like hypertension and high blood pressure, among other things. And although Justin didn't have any of the health issues, um, research has found that chronic sleep problems have also been linked to other issues like diabetes, obesity, heart condition, a suppressed immune system, and even a shortened lifespan. So bottom line is if you have sleep issues, they can affect both your quality of life and your quality of work. 
The good news, however, is that it might not actually require hours and hours of additional sleep to turn things around. Um, There's actually a recent study from the University of California at San Francisco that shows that you don't need to get hours and hours of extra sleep. Uh, What they did was they studied professional baseball players during their training camp. And for two nights, the researchers simply measured their typical amount of sleep. And on average, the players were sleeping about 6.3 hours per night. Then they took half of that group and they had them extend their sleep by an average of about 36 minutes. So they still weren't even fully getting seven hours of sleep. But what they found was that in that group who'd had the extended sleep, um, their daytime sleepiness, their fatigue, and their tension decreased by more than one-third compared to the control group. And when they were given a cognitive processing speed task, they also reacted 13% faster. So um, that's pretty impressive to me. So now that we've talked about the benefits of sleep and how when you cut out your sleep, either purposely or because you're having difficulty getting to sleep, it can work against you, what I want to do now is turn to some of the ways that you can improve your own sleep quality. Um, Now, there's some recent research that suggests that there may be, you know, some genetic components to insomnia, but there still are a lot of behavioral things that you can do that will improve your sleep quality. So we're going to talk about those. And since the biggest sleep issue I hear from professionals is that they have difficulty turning off their brain and going to sleep once they get in the bed, I'm really going to focus on things that you can do if you have difficulty falling asleep. If you're someone who just tends to stay up late because you're a workaholic, then obviously things you would do would be to set some boundaries and go to bed earlier, or you could delegate to make sure that you're managing your workload. Um, You know, sometimes it can be helpful to push back appropriately if you're having way too much on your plate, or also just ensure that you're prioritizing appropriately so that you're making the best use of your time. But let's talk about things to do if you have difficulty falling asleep. Okay, so the first one is exercise. And I'm sure you've heard about the benefit of exercise for any number of things. Um, Obviously, it benefits your physical health. Um, It's also been found to be an excellent mood booster. Um, And even people with mild to moderate depression often have relief from their symptoms just from working out. Um, It's also been linked to greater creativity, better concentration, and, you know, you guessed it, better sleep. So research has found that for people with chronic insomnia, engaging in moderate aerobic activity actually halves the time that it takes them to fall asleep compared to a control group. And in this particular study that I'm referring to, uh, the people who exercised also reported feeling more rested in the morning. Now, these results do come from a long-term study, so while it may take a while for the results to kick in, it's still definitely worth it to have a regular exercise schedule. Plus, given all of the other benefits that I mentioned exercise has, it's at least worth it to give it a try. Now, if you are exercising to help you to go to sleep, the trick is to make sure that you're not trying to exercise, you know, right before bed, because that can actually energize you instead of, you know, making you more tired. But if you get it out of the way a few hours before you're ready to go to sleep, then across time, you'll get those benefits that I just mentioned. Okay, that was tip number one. Tip number two is to create a bedtime ritual. Now, we tend to be creatures of habit and routine, and our routines let our bodies know what to expect. So it's why you might tend to get hungry at the same time every day, for example. It's because, you know, your body knows at 12 o'clock you're going to feed it. 
And, you know, while those of us who are parents may have seen the firsthand benefits of ritual and routine when taking care of our kids, we can sometimes be less prone to apply that wisdom to ourselves. You know, I have a four-year-old and we have a whole bedtime ritual of, you know, bath, reading, singing, that sort of thing. So he knows what to expect and so he can wind down. And so if you tend to have difficulty falling asleep, then I encourage you to create your own bedtime ritual. So you could start by aiming to go to bed and to wake up at around the same time every day, even on weekends if you can do it. And that way your body will start to have more of a rhythm. And again, it'll know what to expect. Um, You can also start to wind down every day before your designated bedtime. And, you know, the amount of time that you spend winding down will depend on the person. But you can try things like taking a bath or reading or journaling or meditating or other quiet activities. Um, Whatever you do, just make sure it's relaxing. So in other words, don't try to lull yourself to sleep with the sounds of people arguing on CNN um, or by watching some sort of violent movie in your bed. Instead, you know, do something relaxing. Um, Many people actually find that white noise, listening to that can help you to go to sleep. And you can just get a white noise generator or there are even videos of white noise on YouTube that are like hours long. So try that out. Tip number three. So my third suggestion is to do your best to avoid the lure of your digital devices. Now, I'm as guilty of this as a lot of people, But if you're having difficulty sleeping and you're trying to distract yourself by scrolling through your smartphone or iPad, you're probably working against yourself. If you're having difficulty falling asleep, your goal should be to do things that are boring. And unfortunately, scrolling through social media or reading articles or playing games or streaming movies can be too interesting. And so it's actually going to keep you awake instead of helping you to fall asleep. And all of these things, there's a tendency to become invested in what you're doing, and that can actually help you to sleep, uh, to stay awake longer. And even if you think scrolling through social media is a mindless activity, the problem with it is if you keep scrolling, every so often you'll come across something interesting. And so it reinforces the behavior of continuing to scroll and look to see what you're going to find. So the best practice, actually, for if you're having difficulty sleeping, is after about 10 minutes or so to get out of bed and do something boring. So, you know, read a boring book or watch something boring on TV. And then as you find yourself falling asleep, get into bed. And then if you get into bed and another 10 minutes pass and you find yourself tossing and turning, then get out of bed again and repeat the process. And the idea behind this is that you want to create an association between your bed and sleep as opposed to an association between your bed and not being asleep. So if you have problems sleeping, sleep experts really do recommend that you reserve your bed solely for sleep and for sex. And as for the smartphone issue, what I would say is that if you find it too tempting, then you might want to leave it far away from your bed. So don't put it on your nightstand, you know, put it on the whole other side of the room or put it downstairs on the charger, you know, that sort of thing. Okay, number four. Now, this next strategy sounds kind of counterintuitive, But it's actually been found to be pretty effective for people who have difficulty sleeping because they're lying in bed worrying. And the technique is called scheduled worry. So yeah, you heard that right. Um, You actually decide when you're going to worry, and then you put it on your calendar. It's like, say, a 15-minute appointment. Now, I know it sounds crazy, but typically when we experience anxiety, we usually try to avoid it. 
We tell ourselves we shouldn't be worrying or we try to push down the thoughts and we just avoid it. So with this technique, you actually stop pushing it away. So you actually allow yourself to feel the feelings instead of trying to stuff them down. And by actually giving yourself permission to worry during these times, what can tend to happen surprisingly quickly is that you can become bored with the worries. After all, they're pretty repetitive usually, and so making yourself think about them for 15 minutes can get old. Um, The other benefit of this approach is that when you catch yourself worrying about something at other times during the day, you can tell yourself, I don't need to think about that right now. I'll worry about it later during my schedule time. And, you know, since you have the time schedule to do so, it's set there to do it. Now, obviously, this isn't the sort of strategy that you would continue forever. But what you might find is that when the lights are out at night and you finally have a quiet moment to yourself, you won't need to be thinking about all your worries because you already will have done it. Um, So it can make it a lot easier to go to sleep. Also, you know, just the fact that we're avoiding things can sometimes heighten them. So just the act of letting yourself feel your feelings can sometimes be enough to deal with the worries head on as opposed to, you know, just kind of letting them run in the background. What you'll also find is, you know, because you're quieting your mind at bedtime, then as your sleep becomes associated with something more pleasant, you'll find you don't need to schedule any worry time at all. Okay, suggestion number five. So this next one is called expressive writing, and it's really just a fancy way of saying writing in a journal. So if you're someone who tends to have a lot of intrusive thoughts that come up when you're trying to sleep, then this strategy can really help you. So for it to be effective, research has shown that you should aim to pull everything that you're writing down together in a way that helps you to gain some insight. So you're aiming to make sense of a negative experience or you're trying to look at what you can learn from it as opposed to just getting stuck in the worry. So for example, let's say you had a negative interaction at work. So what you would do is you would write about it in a way that helped you to take a bit of learning from the experience. Like, did you learn something about yourself? or maybe something about how to interact with people. Now, if on the other hand, you're just writing it more in a way that's kind of complaining, then it's likely not gonna make you feel any better about it, and that wouldn't be, I guess, a good use of expressive writing. Now, research has shown that expressive writing can really help to reduce intrusive thoughts, like I said, so if you struggle with those, then it's definitely worth a shot. Question number six question. Suggestion number six. So this next suggestion is pretty simple, um, but I found that it helps a lot of clients. So all you do is you just put a notebook by your bed. And the reason this works is that a lot of busy people um, have at nighttime the only quiet time that they have a moment to themselves. And so it can be natural for them to review the day or to think about their upcoming agenda items. You know, some people, like I said, come up with ideas when they're in bed or else they think about who they're supposed to reach out to or the next steps in the projects that they're involved in. So instead of trying to keep this all straight in your head, if you have a notebook there, you can simply write it down and then you can forget about it because it's already been handled. So I recommend using a notebook instead of an app on your phone, just because with your smartphone, you might find that you get sucked into social media or something else that might keep you awake. Plus, if your phone doesn't have one of those filters that alters the blue light that's emitted from your phone, then the very light itself can affect your ability to go to sleep. So that's that one. Let's go on to suggestion number seven. This is using a technique called the cognitive shuffle. 
So this technique was created by a researcher in Canada named Luc Baudouin. And all that happens is that if you find yourself lying in, sleep, in, lying in bed um, and you're having difficulty turning your mind off, then what this technique does is it gives your mind something else to do. So specifically to do this technique, you simply start by coming up with a word that has no repeating letters. And then what you do is think of words that start with each letter of the word. So for example, if you came up with the word plate, then you would first come up with a list of words that start with P. And this is just something you're doing mentally. So like, let's say park, pencil, uh, prawn, parasol, etc. Then you would move to the letter L. So, you know, like lion, lizard, linguini, Los Angeles, lock, you know, whatever you come up with, um, then move on to A and so on. And this activity is interesting enough that it can prevent you from focusing on your worry thoughts, but it's not so interesting that it'll prevent you from falling asleep. And I actually just talked to a client this morning who I shared um, who I had given this technique to, and he told me that it made a huge difference for him in terms of falling asleep. So I dec definitely recommend that you try it out. And I have one last suggestion for you, and that's developing a mindfulness practice. So if you've listened to any of my other episodes, then you might have heard me mention mindfulness at some point. And the quick definition of mindfulness is that it's the act of maintaining a moment-by-moment -moment awareness of your thoughts, feelings, bodily sensations, and surrounding environment. And so a simple mindfulness practice is simply to observe your breathing. So you can start by closing your eyes and then just focus on the sensation of breathing in and breathing out. And then as you're doing it, you're going to have thoughts coming up because thinking is what our minds do. And so what you do is you gently notice the thought, let it go, and then resume focusing on your breathing. And you'll just do that for a few minutes every day. And every time what happens is, you know, as you're practicing letting a thought go and focusing back on your breathing, you'll get better at letting your thoughts go. And so if you think about it, if you let yourself good at that, get good at that skill, letting your thoughts go, then that def will, definitely will benefit you when you're in bed inundated with unwanted thoughts. So you could try actually practicing mindfulness when you're in bed in the moment, but I would say that a good practice is to just develop a mindfulness practice in general. Um, it'll help you to be less stressed overall, and so you might find that it kind of naturally helps you to be thinking less about worry thoughts when you're in bed. Um, but also, like I said, just developing the ability to be able to let thoughts go will benefit you when you are in bed and you need to do so. Okay, so that's it for this episode. I hope you learned something that will help you with your sleep. And if you don't have any sleep problems, then I encourage you to share this with somebody who does, because like I said, if you have issues with sleep, it can really have a negative impact on your overall quality of life. So that's it for this episode. And as always, I would love to hear from you. So feel free to contact me at www.silverliningpsychology.com or else follow me on Twitter or send me a tweet at Patricia underscore ATL. As always, I'm wishing you a fabulous day and I hope you get a good night's rest. <laughs>